Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Journey to Success Radio Network. My name is Tom Tutal Cunningham. I'm a Napoleon Hill Foundation certified instructor and resiliency expert, helping people to think, speak, and act positively through the many and varied challenges of life. You can find out more about me in this interview at my website, which is Tom, the number two, and tall, T-A-L-L dot com. My guest today is the amazing Stephen Rosen, and uh, Stephen is one of the keynote speakers at an upcoming event in Toronto, the Toronto Sales Performance Summit. Stephen Rosen knows about sales, inside and out. He's been in the trenches and commanded the troops for over 20 years. Uh, Stephen transformed sales executives and managers into great leaders. He also coaches and mentors senior sales executives and frontline sales managers to lead their businesses to new heights. Top Sales World named Stephen one of the top 50 sales and marketing influencers in 2013 and 2014, and I bet you he'll be on that list in 2015 as well. He is also the author of 52 Sales Management Tips, The Sales Manager Success Guide, a top-selling book available on Amazon and all other online retailers. Welcome to the show today, Stephen. Tom, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be on your show. And uh, I'm going to be interviewing a lot of the, or all of the speakers from this Toronto Sales Performance Summit, uh, which is, uh, as you were telling me, tickets are pretty well sold out. I think you got like 11, I think you got 11 tickets left. Uh, But why did you develop the Toronto Sales Performance Summit? And we should just throw Toronto out of there, because if you can't just make it in Toronto, apparently it's a uh, simulcast. They're going to be able to look at it afterwards as well. So talk about this amazing event because it's aimed at a, uh, a different market than, let's say, ginormous sales events. So tell us why the Toronto Sales Performance Summit, who is it aimed at, and how can we participate in learning what's going to be taught at the summit? Well, Tom, this has been a, it's been germinating for the last two years. Uh, Two of the other speakers and myself have looked at the Toronto market. We're local Toronto people who have our own uh, consultancy practices and coaching practices and training practices that we communicate all over North America as well as uh, Europe. But when we looked at the Toronto market, uh, there's really one key program, which is a really good one, called The Art of Sale. And, uh, you know, it's very successful, but most of it's targeted at primarily at salespeople. We really want to reach senior leaders and looked at a program that would meet their needs, and, and really out of this came the Sales Performance Summit. Uh, so the reason why we call it the Performance Summit is we just finished a sale, worldwide sales manager survey, and the sales managers and sales leaders told us that their number one focus priority for 2015 is about performance and performance management. So we, we pulled together, and we pulled one sponsor together, and there's going to be four really 
unique um, and recognized and acclaimed speakers at the conference. We're doing it as a half day. Uh, so we understand the busy VP of sales, sales director, chief sales officer's needs. Uh, most of them are incredibly busy um, and have trouble getting to conferences. There aren't a lot of conferences opportunities for them. So for the Toronto folks, we've, we've developed this conference to meet their needs and to help them get their performance to new levels. I like that, and I like the idea of uh, a different audience, perhaps, and as you mentioned, the art of sales, that was one that came to Toronto, uh, I think it comes most years, but just recently yes. it was in Toronto, and, and that's aimed at the the actual salesperson, the guy on the road, the, the guy who's uh, in sales, but this is more directed, as you'd mentioned, for uh, sales leaders, sales VPs of sales. Uh, those type of titles who are leading, managing, coaching, and mentoring a sales team, right? Precisely. I mean, these are the key people that run sales organizations. Uh, you know, I know these folks are are inundated with technology options, training options. We really want to help them cut through some of the minutia and, and daily stresses and give them some really salient tips to help them drive performance. And the whole concept of the Performance Summit is that we're going to cut across four different areas of sales performance, one being technology, two being culture, three being the frontline sales manager, and four being execution. And we're going to have a roundtable that pulls it all together after. Nice, nice. And I like the idea about half a day as well, uh Anytime you have a full-day event, you know that's a whole different decision for a sales manager than a half-day event where they can still get to, to the office either before or after and uh, get some work done as well. Precisely. And, you know, we're, we're having it at uh, – I know you haven't asked me, but I want to share it with you because we were very excited. Uh, we're having it at the Rotman School of Management uh, down, downtown Toronto. Um, which is 105 St. George Street, just uh, south of Bloor. But the beauty is there's parking right on site. The facilities are second to none. And it's really cool uh, for me to go back into an academic setting and, uh, and do a talk to uh, people who you know, are experienced um, executives. And uh, I think it's even nice for them to get back into an uh, academic setting. All right. And the half day for Sorry, I was going to just say the half-day format uh, it's challenging to get all our information out, but we decided we keep it concise and really focused on takeaways that uh, that you know folks who attend can leave and implement as soon as they get back to the office. That's what people are looking for. None of this jibber jabber. They want give me the points, give me the points. What am I going to learn? What how's this going to help me tomorrow when I got a sales guy in front of me uh, that I have to help? And so. Uh, really like jam pack it instead of trying to put it in a day jam pack it full in half a day and anyone who isn't in the Toronto area or, or anyone who is in the Toronto area Rotman uh, the Rotman school uh, that's a prestigious school isn't it 
it, it, it's it's not only that it, it's yeah it's very prestigious i i know uh, it, it is an allotment event but we're we're using their facilities but uh, i can tell you uh, i've been there and uh, i just love the facilities uh, they're state of the art it's a, a beautiful place to go to school right in in the heart of downtown toronto and uh, i think it makes for a nice setting for uh, you know for toronto alumni and as well as all toronto executives to to come together in uh, you know a world class institution nice now uh Enough about the event for now. Okay. Uh, first of all, let's give them the website for the event just so we can uh, get that done as well. People will want okay. to attend. So give them the event website. Yeah. If you if you want to find out more, if you want to reserve tickets, just go to www.torontosalesummit.com. Uh, basically, the, your four, you'll find your four speakers up there and find out what they're talking about. Uh, as well as have an opportunity to reserve seats, as Tom mentioned, and uh, you know, um, we are uh, getting close to sold out. We 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 are at I think there was twelve a dozen seats left. There could be thirteen. I don't know if it's up to date, but last I looked, there was uh, thirteen seats, and we may have sold a couple more. So we're very excited. Uh, you know, in the classroom setting, um, it's very intimate. We can pretty much look in everybody's eyes who's there. Uh, speak to them, connect with them. So again, if you want to reserve, uh, early bird special is going on up until tomorrow, and I think there's uh, it's $197 to attend, less $50 up until our early bird special ends tomorrow. So www.torontosalesummit.com. Might as well give your website as well, because people will want to find out more about you. Okay. Well. Uh, you know, I I, uh, I run a very similar to yourself. Um, my key focus is uh, one-on-one coaching. I love working with uh, sales executives and their leadership teams, uh, and uh, I find the most effective way to help people get better is doing it one-on-one, and it's very gratifying. I've been doing it for the last 12 years, and I've had a, numbers of clients who have had great success, and uh, uh, it's actually very gratifying work. So. The stuff I share with my clients will be opportunities to uh, to share that with uh, the broader audience. Nice. Now let's talk a little bit more about you. Uh, as you, as I mentioned, I'm a Napoleon Hill Foundation certified instructor, and Napoleon Hill's number one principle: you could have if you don't have this one, the other 16 are not going to help you very much at all. Is definiteness of purpose, and yet yes. very few, very few parents that I've heard. Uh, when they're raising their kid, I doubt your parents said, my little Stevie's going to be a world-class sales trainer. So how do you get from little Stevie to training sales executives, uh, sales vice presidents, uh, C-level people that are managing sales teams? Well, it's a great question, Tom. Uh, you know, the funny thing, uh, you know, I've got children who are uh, one's about to enter university next year and one who's getting, you know, two years off. And I kind of think back, uh, you know, if you want to go back to little Stevie days, uh, I did an aptitude test back in high school, which looked at, I think it were six categories of interest or areas that you had aptitude in. And unfortunately, or fortunately, I was very one-dimensional. My interest was always around business. Uh, I took three business degrees. And, uh, you know, when I came to Toronto uh, over 20 years ago, uh, I went right into sales. I never anticipated myself being in sales, 
I was always a, a finance guy, but I really loved sales and uh, even more so uh, sales leadership and, and running a sales organization uh, really got me going. And, and really the opportunity to pull back out of that and help folks who've gone through what I went through as a VP of sales in terms of the amount of pressure on you, uh, you know, challenge, um, you know, the, the whole thing involved in, in really driving a sales organization was fascinating to me, except I didn't want to deal with politics. So, you know, I don't know how you go down that journey. It was always sort of my purpose, as you say, and uh, sometimes you're lucky in life to have uh, one area that really fascinates you, but in some ways it's always challenging too because you become uh, somewhat uh, singularly focused, but uh, at the end of the day it's brought me here and it's been a very gratifying and uh, enjoyable experience. You know, getting out and speaking has just evolved through my practice. Even writing a book has kind of evolved over time, and people actually finding my insights interesting and wanting, you know, realizing you're sharing them. So we put that into a book. Uh, you know, life is a journey of ongoing development, and uh, you never know where you end up, but it's constantly about developing yourself and helping develop others to be better and be the best they can be. Hello. Sorry about that. I muted oh, my microphone. You mentioned you mentioned something amazing that I love. Singularly focused, and actually, that's a great success tip because uh, uh, in the book Outwitting the Devil, another Napoleon Hill book published by the Foundation, that's what he mentions is the key thing that gets people keeps them off track from being successful is being wandering generality. So when you are singularly focused, it allows you to uh, kind of get rid of all the extraneous stuff in your life and focus on one key passion. And so you've done that now. I noticed in the intro you've been doing that for 20 years, so you probably have some gray hairs like myself. I'm 51. Uh, what has changed over uh, 20 years of of sales because when we started in sales, it was the old-fashioned way: phoning people or banging on their door. Uh, now it's certainly evolved, where there's less uh, cold calling and door banging and more social media. So talk about how that has changed, how you've seen it change, and how it's uh, changed as far as being a sales manager as well. Very interesting question and. Not to date myself, but we're pretty much we are the same age, and uh, unfortunately, a few gray hairs have shown. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's it's not due to being old, but maybe it's being wiser over time. Um, you know, in terms of social media, I mean, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of talk about you know, is cold calling dead? Is social media the way to go? And I have to tell you, I'm not the expert on that. Although one of the speakers at the conference, Tibor Shanto, uh, is really an expert. He's been recognized by. Um, Forbes is one of the top social salespeople in 2014, one of the top 10. Uh, but in terms of management, where, where I focus on, um, you know, the easy answer is to say nothing has really changed, Tom. Uh, you know, it still comes down to people. It still comes down to getting the most out of your people. Uh, what's changed around us, and uh, I was just doing a project with my daughter last night, and uh, we were looking up Italy in terms of understanding their economy, and the access to information uh, is just at your fingertips. I mean, the Internet, if you think about it, going back 
you know, 25 years or, you know, 20 years, uh, people never had access to information. You know, they may have used encyclopedias or, you know, uh, different services to, to target people. Uh, so, you know, technology has changed quite a bit. Um, the ability to target, generate leads, um, you know, even for buyers, I guess one of the key changes is buyers now have access to the Internet. And before your sales rep even comes in, they've probably done their research or a good portion of their research. So certainly uh, technology has sped up the process. People are more educated. And really it comes down to the salesperson. Uh, if we're talking about the salesperson, really helping to frame the customer's thinking or reframe the customer's thinking uh, provide value and education where it's not about features and benefits anymore. It's really about value in terms of their problems, not your products. Uh, you know, when it comes to sales management, I, I guess sales managers need to be very adept at understanding reports. I know there's tons of, uh, of software out there that support technology of KPIs and, you know, looking at those key points of data, but I still come back to the value of great coaching and helping people get better and develop their skills and their behaviors, whether it be on the technology side or the selling side, we're still dealing with people, and sales is a people game, and sales management is really about you know, helping to develop your people and make them be the best they can be. So some things have obviously changed. I'm sure there's a ton of things that change, but I think in terms of core skill sets uh, from sales management and sales executive perspective, uh, you need to be able to access data, understand data, but it's really about the people, and for me, you know, uh, success, successful journeys of VPs really happen through uh, through the people around them and creating the right leadership environment, the right culture, and also being able to coach and develop people to be their best. Nice, nice. Uh, now, how about uh, a lot has changed with uh, a friend of mine's uh, intergenerational communications consultant. So he talks about dealing with Gen X and millennials and uh, sometimes for older guys like myself and you, these young people are hard to understand. And so it must be, must be a challenge. It must be one of the challenges of sales management in this day and age to uh, manage maybe a sales guy who's our age versus a sales guy who's like 23 years old, brand new in the business. Uh, because maybe in the old days you could manage a 23-year-old differently than you managed them in 2015. Uh, is that something you've come across uh, as far as sales managers having to deal with younger people maybe differently than they do with their senior salespeople? 100%. I mean, you know, and I'm not an expert on the research, but certainly there's a ton of research out there in terms of how to motivate millennials. I can tell you the old style of leadership of uh, my way or the highway, uh, or, you know, <laughs> do this, we'll do that, you know, what I call the let's make a deal approach to sales management, uh, really doesn't work with this group. So part of, I think, you know, success of any manager or leader is being able to adapt to their environment. You know, so the one size fits all doesn't work. You've got certainly you've got some old, you know, older, not like me. I, I still consider myself young, but some older right, guys right. out there who, uh, you know, who who are set in their ways. And you know, the challenge for them is really the need to adapt because you can't do things the way you used to. It's just as much as it was successful before, 
you know, it's constant change going on in, in environments and selling environments. And of course, the challenge with the younger folks is they have different motivations. You know, they're not motivated to, you know, get the house, you know, work hard, put in the extra effort. Uh, there's different things that motivate them. So as a leader, you know, it's really adapting and understanding your audience through asking good questions, really tapping into what motivates each person. So, you know, you, you can generalize. Millennials are different. They're not going to put up with the same stuff. They may not be as dedicated as, let's say, uh, I assume it's Generation X or Y. Uh, so certainly there's a change in workforce. There's a change in motivation. There's a change in effort. And I really think it's incumbent upon leadership to to adjust to meet the needs of their you know, of their people so they can continue to sustain growth. Nice. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, another thing that I've, well, I've been in sales for uh, 25 plus years too. My claim to fame has made over 200,000 telephone cold calls and spoken with over 5,000 C-level executives and been a sales manager even at one company. But uh, talk about uh, what are some of the qualifications uh, or traits of a good sales manager because so often someone goes from being uh, they're a great salesperson in a company and so management thinks well if they're a great salesperson probably they'll be a great sales manager but that is not necessarily the truth and even in my own case I don't know if it's good or bad but I didn't enjoy it as much as being in sales in sales I know I can keep myself accountable but in sales management, you got to keep other salespeople accountable, and that's not as fun or as easy as uh, just doing sales yourself. You know, Tom, you're, you, I mean, you, you fit the nail right on the head. Uh, you know, there is a challenge in moving from a sales rep position to a sales manager because the agenda changes. The agenda as a sales rep is your individual contributor. You know, as a manager, you need to get your people to contribute. So, you know, there is a skill set change and, and, and a change in mentality required to to adapt, uh, moving from sort of, you know, being the driver, as a, a, moving to more of a facilitator coach. Uh, so people who are able to, you know, be very self-aware, uh, I think is one of the key things for ma- for people to be make that successful transition into management. Uh, you know, skill sets such as, you know, coaching, business acumen, uh, you know, really moving to asking effective questions as opposed to telling people what to do. So it really requires a, a mindset shift moving from sales into management. As I would mentioned earlier, we, we just completed a survey, which I'll be uh, presenting some of the, uh, the findings at the upcoming meeting, and, and it looked at how, how well companies support the transition from sales rep to sales manager, and right. how well they, you know, how well they support it. And the findings are are, are actually, uh, you know, companies are failing to do a good job at that. Less than fifty percent of companies have a formal process in place. Less than fifty percent of companies, uh, you know, support or train their managers to make that transition. And then we wonder why sales managers are failing. Right. You know, I, and, I, I and think. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I was just going to say that the, you know that there's lots of pressures on these middle managers. Uh, you know, they're, they're they're really the conduit of leadership to help change, evolve, and move the sales force. Yet these folks are not getting the skills training they need 
to to survive and to thrive in in the environment. So, I mean, your questions are very salient questions. One I'm very passionate about. And, uh, you know, when you look at sales performance, and I know everyone within our group has different perspective on what the drivers are, and, of course, it's multidimensional. For me, the number one factor that drives sales performance in organizations, actually, I shouldn't tell you because I'm going to share it at the conference, but it may be, it may be the frontline sales manager. Right. And my belief is those guys are the ones who, you know, you'll lose a top talent, not because of the company, but because of the relationship with their manager. We know that certain factors in terms of effective coaching and development have significant outcomes in terms of sales rep performance. Uh, so these are the the key drivers in the or, in organizations, and uh, yet they're not being supported by senior management. And if you ask senior management, they'll say, "Hey, yes, you know, we do believe these people are critical, but they're not putting their money where their mouth is." So you ask me about new sales managers; they're being put in a very challenging predicament where. Things are faster, more intense, there's higher expectations, and yet they're not trained to survive. Right, exactly. That's kind of how I felt. I was like, okay, Tom, you're the sales manager now. I was like, oh, I know how to sell, I know how to close, but like these are my former friends, uh, and now yes. i got to manage them, i got to be tough on them, i got to give them heck for showing up late and not doing their metrics, and I was like, oh, my gosh, how do I go from being a friend to being a manager? Uh, and so I imagine this is some of the things you're going to be sharing uh, at the Toronto Sales Performance Summit uh, to help people like myself who maybe now they're sales managers when they've been salespeople their whole life, and they're like, okay, how do I become as good a sales manager as I was a salesperson? Precisely. I work with a lot of new managers and in many organizations, they they come out of, especially in the pharmaceutical industry, a lot of new sales managers come out of marketing. And uh, that's a very big uh, challenge in terms of, you know, managing products to managing people. Um, right. You know, the, the message, so, you know, they may have been successful salespeople, then they become successful marketers, and then they're put back out in the field to be a successful manager. And uh, hopefully some have carried the bag, but some haven't. Uh, so that's certainly challenging, and I spend a lot of time with people like that, really getting them to be good uh, at what they do and understanding what the transitional mindset required to to be successful as a manager. Now, at the Sales Performance Summit, our focus is going to be, uh, again, with the senior leadership team, and you know, my message is about you know who's key to driving performance in your organization and really starting to look at ways to help these people get better at what they do so they can help your sales force get better. Right, right. So, exactly. so that, that's really uh, my message. Uh, it's been my mantra for the last probably eight to ten years. Um, you know, and I, I see a little bit of progress in that area, but not a lot. And I really think uh, organizations uh, are, are uh, not getting the best out of their sales force, which is usually their largest investment, mainly because they don't have the right people leading the troops. Right. Or now, they don't support the people in being successful leading the troops. Actually, that's probably more uh, more precise in terms of uh, the reality of it. These people are good people, uh, but right. you know you have to support good people to be successful. Right, and, and in a lot of cases, uh, successful in a whole new skill set than what they were successful at previously. Uh, do you have any maybe 
suppose someone is a president or like one of the top two officers of a company, uh, are there any tips on how to hire a, the best sales manager? Uh, is it from outside? Is it from your top salespeople? Uh, there must be some guidelines or ideas or thoughts you have on, okay, I'm the president and I got to pick a sales manager. How do you do it? What are some ideas they should consider? Well, you know, in terms of creating the right culture, I, I do think there's incredible benefit to developing people internally to uh, to assume those positions. Uh, you know, I, I think the thinking from the president or, or at least the chief sales officer is before these people become sales managers, you got to invest in their development and get them ready for the job. So it's not all of a sudden we have an opening and let's see if Johnny fits the job. Uh, but you're grooming people. You're giving them projects. You're giving them opportunities to groom their skills, you know, six months, a year, two years out, recognizing these people have been identified as potential leaders. Uh, traditionally, I think, hey, the job comes available, you know, maybe a couple reps apply, maybe they look outside. Um, I'm not sure which one is better. Uh, I think if you want to develop, a, you know, a, a culture um, of, of development, which is what I believe in, uh, well, then you really need to be starting to develop your key leaders much earlier on than companies are doing now. So, you know, giving them opportunities to to utilize some skills to demonstrate their leadership, to learn about leadership, to understand how to coach, to understand what the role is. So one, they can decide if this is for me as opposed to moving into a role they're not sure of and, you know, they're excited about the money but don't really understand what they're getting into. And two, really right. about preparation. So right. are they preparing their leaders one to two years out prior to a position becoming open? Right, because just going from, okay, you got the job uh, without, and I like that idea. You could prepare them ahead of time or have an idea in your brain where you want to maybe move up to that and start mentoring and working with them ahead of time so it's not just such a ginormous culture shock when they do get the job. What about a, a salesperson who is offered a sales management job? It kind of goes against people's nature to turn down a promotion and turn down being a manager. Uh, sometimes I wish I had it in that particular position. Uh, I imagine there are times when a salesperson should uh, say no. Like, I am comfortable being your top salesperson or being like one of the rainmakers in your company. And I don't think managing is for me. Well, you know, I think that open dialogue and and having those discussions in advance of positions being open. So people who have said, hey, you know what, I do, I think I might want to. And then you may want to assess their leadership skills. Uh, but, you know, if, if people say no up front, then maybe they're just not, don't want to go there. And you know what, I have to say, I've worked all positions. I've been a, I've been a various levels of sales rep, uh, regional sales manager, national sales manager, VP of sales. And, you know, really it's about what drives you. Uh, for me, it was about the next promotion. I wanted to be president of the company. But over time, you know, what role you have to me became less significant. So, you know, it shouldn't be driven by, by the need for promotion. It should be driven by the need to lead. You know, so we want to look for leaders in the organization. And some people are natural leaders. And some natural leaders want to stay as sales reps. And I have to tell you, that is a great job. 
you know, it's probably the most fun job I ever had was either, you know, a sales rep and or a regional sales manager. So, you know, if people need to have the drive to move to the next role. And then what I'm saying is part of it is is the will and the right attitude and the effort. And the other component is, you know, can we support them through giving them the skills? And I think what's happening is you may have people with the will, uh, but organizations, what I'm seeing, are not really supporting the skill development necessary to be a successful manager. And, and the survey really demonstrates that. Uh, you know, going back a number of years when I was in a sales rep, um, and I'm not saying this to, to impress any of your listeners, I had seven different jobs in seven years with progressive advancement to running three divisions. And to tell you I was trained for any of my jobs, I wasn't. To tell you I was prepared for any of my jobs, I wasn't. <laughs> so, so you know, you know, the only thing that made me successful is, is as we started back, was the focus principle. I figured out the two or three, two or three key things that, uh, you know, in my role that I, as a group we had to do to be successful, and we did them very well. So I had a right. simple formula, but uh, you know, I, I was never trained for any of my new roles. Uh, maybe I advanced too quickly, um, but you know, the reality is, is you know. You know, if you've got the drive and you can actually help your employees develop, then you've got a winning and sustainable sales organization. Right, exactly, exactly. I love it. And uh, you'd mentioned earlier about uh, uh, you do a lot of the one-on-one coaching. And uh, yes. I do some of that as well. Uh, it's something newer for media. But what I've really found is that I can make a much bigger impact on someone one-on-one than I can speaking from a podium for an hour. Uh, I could share with them something for an hour, but when you can get one-on-one with them, when I can drop my mask and share some of my failures and some of my challenges as a way of teaching someone else, then they can let their guard down and share what's really in their heart and what's in their those thirty to 60,000 daily thoughts they have that's when you can really more in a bigger way make a difference in results and people's processes and and how they do their job is one-on-one. Talk a little bit about that because I think that's the greatest opportunity for a sales manager is to find a coach like yourself, meet with them every week, no excuses, and be accountable for what did I do last week, what am I going to do next week, and how do I get around these three challenges that I had this past week? Well, I I mean, you've nailed it. And I think one of the the differences between training and coaching is training is the one-size-fits-all approach. We're going to disseminate information. Well, I teach managers how to coach if that's where they want to go and develop. Uh, And I can teach my coaching methodology in an hour and a half. But it takes six months of work to work through the nuances and and, and how to do it effectively, one-on-one, to be able to really refine and become a great coach. So I used to do training, and I stopped doing training unless there was a coaching component because people learn better one one-on-one is sort of the premium way to learn. There is a cost associated with that, but you know the challenge always with training is you never move the needle unless right. there's a reinforce unless there's a reinforcement component. Learnings dissipate quickly. Uh, 
so my belief is, and if you look at any great athlete who seconds or actually split seconds make a difference in terms of gold and, and, and not even showing up, um, they have coaching. Right, and, and coaching is a growth area in business. Some companies embrace coaching and, and do extremely well. Uh, for me, you know, I don't take on a lot of clients. Uh, I, I take on a fixed number of clients, but when I'm with them, I'm there for them, and it's their agenda, and, and really about focusing on help them get to where they want to get to. And you talked about accountability. Uh, I call it closing the accountability loop, but that's really the power of coaching. Because we all get busy and we forget some of the commitments we make. But we make them to a coach and we know the coach is going to follow up. Will the coach be our boss, uh, you know, a mentor, or a external coach like myself? There's a real power in terms of people making and keeping commitments. And the only way you're going to change is through trying things and learning and evaluating and trying things, learning and evaluating. But if no one holds you accountable to those commitments, as you talked about, uh, for example, these are my three issues for this week. Well, we'll work through that, make a plan, uh, have the individual, the manager, write down their plan, and my job is to circle back with them and say, okay, how has it gone? You know, what have you learned? What worked well? You know, have you solved the issue? Um, but really what a great coach does is teaches folks how to solve issues. So sometimes you become, um, you, you know, your services are not needed because they've grown and able to handle challenges. Although I do right. have to say I've been working with some people for over eight years now who have progressed through numerous positions and are VPs and still find that they have challenges. <laughs> The day they don't have challenges is the day they're not working, probably. (laughs) Yeah, and and these are, you know, I tend to work with mostly high-potential people, not because I choose to do that, uh, although I do prefer that, but organizations see the value in, you know, giving a high-potential sales manager, director of sales, VP of sales, a resource or a gift of having a coach. Right. Because it really is a gift. It is a gift, for sure. Two things that I was thinking of there. One is you mentioned, well, they could be accountable to or get coaching from their boss. I don't like that. I'd rather an outside, independent coach for a sales manager than their boss because there's always politics. You can't always just lay your heart totally on the line. Sometimes those three challenges they're facing, one of them is their boss. And yes. so yes. I, I, I highly recommend an outside uh, coach rather than using your boss. And then also you talked about it's not necessarily when you do an hour of coaching, it's not necessarily you for 55 minutes saying you should do this and this is the strategy you should use and you should do this tomorrow. It's more them sharing their challenges what they want to learn, what they're up against, and you just providing insight. It's not just you teaching for 55 minutes, them taking notes frantically, and then at the end, them thanking you profusely. It's them sharing their challenge and you providing some insight and guidance into their challenges and plans and goals. Precisely. As as I said, and maybe sums it up in my own way, but it's really about their agenda. You know, what are they committed to doing? What's important to them? What issues are they facing? So when I go in 
to a coaching session, the only preparation I have is what did we agree to last time we talked? You know, mm-hmm. what is the framework for our, our coaching engagement? But, you know, I do believe, and maybe somewhat different than yourself, Tom, that it's really incumbent to not give up coaching as a head of sales, as a sales leader of managers. I, I think, you know, certain areas, and I kind of chuckle because managing the boss seems to come up in every conversation. And in my book, I have some, some tips on how to manage the boss. And, you know, if you can effectively manage your boss, then you're, you're, you're perceived as being very effective. Uh, whether you are or whether you're not. But, you know, having that trust and confidentiality does make coaching very um, powerful in that we are afraid in many cases to show our weaknesses to our, to our boss uh, just because we think they'll be used against us or uh, we may think, you know, they may be thought of as being um, ineffective. Uh, you know, for me, the people who are most open and forthcoming are the ones I can help the most because I understand what they're thinking and where their challenges are. And um, so, you know, it's always under an umbrella of trust, confidentiality, and um, really it's, you know, I have no agenda. Uh, my agenda is is what their agenda is. So I really do uh, buy into the power of coaching. Um, you know, there's various other things that drive performance, uh, but I really think for high potential uh, sales leaders, uh, or even you know athletes or professionals, uh, having a great coach can make you an even better performer in whatever area of um, of life you're in. Right now, another thing that I uh, was just thinking of is uh, the coaching you do. Is it always in person, sitting across a desk from or a coffee from someone, or? Do you have coached? You do. Do you coach people who are out of your geographic area and meeting on Skype or Google Hangout? Um, because most of the people I coach are nowhere near me; they're all over the world. Yeah, precisely. I mean, uh, you know, I, I coach in Europe and in, in the U.S. Uh, sometimes it's actually a pleasure. Most of the time, it's a pleasure when I can meet face to face with people. But from right. a, a cost-effective perspective, and uh, when you're dealing with busy executives. Uh, being able to to talk on the phone, uh, use technology such as Skype or FaceTime or Google Hangouts uh, does make it uh, you know cost effective, makes it more efficient from a time perspective, and um, you know it's probably 90% of my practice uh, is done by phone or one of the technology, so it's not face to face. But I do think from time to time. Um, you know, or, or certainly starting out an engagement, the personal contact and the, you know, the face-to-face contact becomes an essential part for someone to, to feel the trust and to, to get to know you a little bit better. Uh, so it's a combination, but I, I would say um, most of my time is spent uh, on the phone or, or on my computer, uh, and that sort of technology, you know, you can see somebody, uh, you know, I find FaceTime is a great, if someone's hooked up on FaceTime, you know, the the, um, the quality of picture and sound is phenomenal. Uh, so technology allows us to, you know, to coach anywhere in the world uh, and even work through time zones. Yeah, I love it. And it's kind of cool when you're coaching someone from, like, another continent even. Like, wow, yeah. this is fascinating. <laughs> So let's uh, share with people. Go ahead. I was just going to say, interestingly enough, the issues I find don't differ that much geographically. It's 
always comes right. down to, to, to basic challenges that people face, uh, you know, especially sales leaders to, to be successful. So whether you're in uh, England or Germany uh, or California or Toronto, uh, a lot of the issues are, you know, are, uh, are the same. Totally, totally correct. The issues are almost all exactly the same, only the accent of the person is different. There you go. There you go. And there's always interesting cultural differences, but people are people, and salespeople are salespeople around the world. I love it. So, again, uh, before we go, uh, we'll give your website, which is starresults.com. There's two R's in there, S-T-A-R and then R-E-S-U-L-T-S.com. Also, remember, TorontoSalesSummit.com. Uh, talk a little bit about if you can't make the event because there's all kinds of opportunities for people to get the learning and the education uh, other than being there in person. Well, Tom, you know, you know, we're very excited. Uh, one of our sponsors, and I'll give them a plug just because they're very generous with us, Audibility. Uh, which is a conference hosting company. And many folks uh, or, or companies who have their annual general meetings will have live streaming events for shareholders all over. Well, we're able to take the conference from uh, from Rotman, from University of Toronto, and it'll be live streamed anywhere in the world. People are welcome to, you know, to pick up tickets. They're $97. And I think uh, for the next day or so, they're still going to be 77 But the reality is we, we can reach thousands of people uh, anywhere in the world, if they can't make it to the live streaming, or they can they can watch it up to 30 days post event, which with their access code. So this is yes, it's a, a Toronto-based sales summit. Uh, you've got great speakers who have international reputations, but the beauty of this is, and the excitement because it's really an unknown factor for us, is you'll be able to see it live. You'll be able to interact because you can ask questions uh, during our roundtable, which will come in from the net. Uh, so. For me, it's very exciting. Uh, it's great to have an intimate group that we're going to be speaking to, but it's great to be able to to share our insights, and not only myself, but uh, Tibor Shanto, Tim Herson, Bill, Bald- Bill Baldasti, who are great and well-recognized sales experts and leaders in their area to, to share their insights with VPs, with sales directors, uh, with some sales managers that are welcome to join in, CSOs. But we're going to have a high-impact highly focused talk and summit in the area of driving sales performance and the things that drive sales performance. So please join us. Uh, we're very excited, and we see this as the first annual. It's not the last annual. Uh, we see this event as being an ongoing event, and we've had great um, interest in Toronto and, and a lot of interest on the web. So I'm very excited. I can't wait to get out there, and uh, I'd love to have your listeners join us and uh, give us feedback on on what next year's summit looks like. I love it, and uh, I am 100% behind you because of what I shared. I just went from being a the top salesperson to a sales manager and didn't know how to do it, didn't particularly like doing it, found it yes. a challenge, and so there's a lot of people that are in the similar shoes that I was in uh, that will be good, can be good. They have the skill and the talent, but let's give them some tips uh, and ideas to help them make a transition and to grow their people uh, and move up in the organization. So uh, thank you so much for sharing today, Stephen. I know that's going to be a great event. 
before I uh, spoke with you, I have interviewed Tibor Shanto before. I follow him. I read his blog. He's amazing. I'm a big fan he, of he Tibor. He, he, he's a true expert and professional in the area of sales. And just to give my other uh, one of my other speakers, Tim Herson, has a book out now called Never Be Closing. Uh, it, it's it's a top selling book and. You know, Tim has been picked up by the Oprah Winfrey Network uh, as one of the top 15 books for personal success. So Tim's a great guy, uh, maybe has a little bit more gray hair than me uh, and a little bit more wisdom. Uh, but, and he's a great guy. He's got a great book. He's a great presenter. So uh, between Tibor, Tim, myself, and Bill, uh, it's well worth the investment of your time and money. So please come out and join us. Wow, that title of that book, what is it, Never Be Closing? That sent my Never Be Closing. There. Oh, my head went for a spin there. What do you mean, Never Be Closing? Well, <laughs> you know what, market, Tom, That's how you do it. You'll have a chance to speak to Tim, and I would drill him on, on his concepts because, uh, uh, you know, it, it's the new way of selling. So you have to face. Um, my good friend Tim can really share with you and your listeners uh, some real pearls from his book and his experience. I am looking forward to drilling him on those ones because uh, that is a, an exciting title and a it, great it, content. Yeah, and, and it's it's uh, becoming a top-selling book. Uh, in fact, uh, you know, T- Tim is is become quite a celebrity as a result of the book and uh, all his work uh, in the area of uh, strategy and culture. So. He should be a good interview, and of course, Tibor uh, Shanto, who uh, writes for the Globe and Mail and uh, is an expert in the area of uh, sales execution, uh, should be a really good event and should be some great interviews. So, uh, you know, maybe you started with the easiest one first, but uh, you're only going to get better in terms of uh, the three partners or three people I really, two other people I really admire and uh, and work with and. Um, uh, we do appreciate your, your your interest in the Sales Performance Summit and your support of the summit. And uh, uh, you know, thank you, really, thank you for the time and uh, the opportunity to uh, to uh, to be interviewed and to connect with your speakers, your speakers, your your subscribers. Nice. Thanks so much for your time, Stephen. I am excited about this. I'm looking forward to learning a lot of these things you'll be talking about as well. Have yourself an amazing day. You too. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.